0: Hi, this is Tammy Leish, your host of Embracing Change, Talking Through Trauma. The podcast is focused on fitness enthusiasts and movement educators, where we'll have deep conversations that are impacting the movement industry. For example, trauma, health, vitality, the nervous system, and movement. And now, welcome to the podcast. Good morning or good day, and welcome to Embracing Change, Talking Through Trauma. I'm Tammy Leicher, and today my guest is June Hall, and June is a trauma expert. And today we're gonna talk about how childhood trauma affects adult functioning. Good. Hi, June, how are you today?
1: Good, how are you?
0: I'm good. Hey, can you tell me what's been your win for like
1: this past week or even 10 days? Yeah, so my win, I would say, is I spent um, five days in Florida with my um, partner sitting on a nice chair next to a pool and looking at the ocean, and it was just beautiful. So lots of connection time, and it was beautiful. Oh, that, it, it that just war that
0: I mean considering we're in the Michigan and it's still kind of cool but to yeah. actually have sun, that's wonderful.
1: Yeah um, beautiful.
0: can you can you briefly describe like an overview of like your education in regards to like how you how long you've been working with trauma and maybe even a little bit of connection with how you come to Pilates? Just it doesn't have to be anything lengthy. Just so our viewers, have an understanding of your expertise. And that's what I say you are, because this is your expertise.
1: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So I'm, I have a master's degree in social work. And I have worked professionally as a therapist for over 25 years. In my graduate program, that's when um, there was a real move to acknowledge trauma, and its impact. And so I started my career really immersed in trauma and addressing it in a way that allowed, um, specifically in my program, children to integrate their experiences and move forward. And so since that time, I have treated um, primarily complex trauma that is um, all sorts of awful that people struggle to hear about so I won't give you the list of things, but just imagine all of the awful traumas that can happen to a child. So I spent lots of years practicing um, trauma interventions with children and training other therapists on using trauma specific interventions. And I I do I specialize in that birth through six, Um, subspecialty and then, of course, all children. And then I've had a private practice for many years where I see adults and um, lots of trauma related or lots of challenges with adult functioning related to trauma. As far as how I come to Pilates, um, I will say I have always loved movement. And I have always had a movement practice, but it has primarily been large muscle, like walking and whatnot. And then I became interested in how um, there's a, a group of people who study yoga and trauma. And so I was interested in that. And then I met you. And started Pilates. And then that got me interested in um doing Pilates and then teaching Pilates. And so that's how I come together. And
0: you also have done teacher training, and right now, it's just kind of it's just kind of immersed itself where it is status quo right now. Yep. but you still, but you still have your own practice as well yeah 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 yeah. so um and I have to say that you have been a catalyst for me to to continue with the trauma-informed work um Mm -hmm. through all of this like now the last three years so but we've known each other for a long time it was just but Pilates kind of solidified and brought us closer um together as friends but also as colleagues so how would you say that childhood trauma affects um, adult functioning? And I know that I feel like that's a really broad question and if we have to break it
1: down, then mm-hmm. we can yeah. go. Yeah, so I, I have thought about this in two ways. One, how it impacts adult functioning in daily lives. And then um, we can talk a little bit later about how trauma um, relates to Pilates. So I'll start with the how it impacts our daily lives. I think one of the big things that I see with folks who've experienced trauma is they really struggle to regulate their emotions and have emotions that really connect to the experience. Um, and people who have trauma sometimes overreact emotionally. Sometimes they underreact emotionally. And it's not that a person only overreacts or only underreacts, but people tend to have their go-to of over or under, but they can do both of those things, right? So a person who overreacts may, um, I'm thinking of a, a client that I had who went into a store and the person wasn't helping them in the way that they thought was appropriate. And they became very angry and, um, shattered a piece of glass at the counter. And, um, there was a whole bunch of legal stuff, but really it was, It was so minor, right? It was something that could have been like, you know, give them a bad Yelp review or a bad Google review. Like it was that kind of thing. It did not warrant that large overreaction. And a person who underreacts may have something pretty awful happen. And then their reaction to it is really like, "Eh, you know, not a big deal. And so that can be challenging, having that match of emotion to life experience. And this of course can relate or dovetail into difficulties in relationships, right? So if you're in relationship with a person who becomes ragey over something relatively minor, it doesn't feel good to be in relationship with them. And so that causes difficulties in relationships. Um, Another piece of difficulty in relationships is people who've experienced trauma sometimes aren't really skilled in understanding who is a safe person to be in a relationship with, right? Like they can't, their little radar is broken and you know, like their friend group can say, oh, that one's bad news. And they might be like, no, you just misunderstand. They're wonderful, la, la, la. You know, and then later it's like, oh yeah, they were bad news. But they might not be able to figure that out on the front end. Um, Another piece that can be challenging in relationships is sometimes that people who have experienced trauma have difficulties in doing what they've committed to do, right? So somebody will say, hey, can you do this? And they say, well, yeah. And then it gets to the time to do it, and they may have extreme difficulties in doing it. Um, Another area where trauma impacts daily living is memory difficulties. So if you, yeah, so (laughs) if you think about trauma, you're, your brain, the the job of your brain is to keep you alive and pay attention to danger, right? And so when a person has had trauma, their brain is keyed for looking for things that might be unsafe and their brain may be really preoccupied with experiences that they've had. And so when when the brain space is taken up, it's hard to take in new information because you're so preoccupied. So it might be um, attention difficulties in conversations. It might be attention difficulties in college classes or classes in general. And um, think about a new Pilates student where Pilates is in many ways there are many movements that are not natural to our daily lives. And so we're asking, hey, get on this reformer and do the stomach massage. Well, where in life are you doing a stomach massage? Well, you're not. And so um, it might be really hard for somebody to learn that skill because they just are preoccupied. Um, Another piece that I see a lot is low self-esteem. And what I hear is what's wrong with me that X, Y, or Z happened to me. So there must be some something wrong with me. So there's an internalized experience of self-blame where in in as people heal, they can say, Oh, that wasn't my fault. There was nothing that I could have done as a five-year-old, a 10-year-old, a 15-year-old, that would have warranted this experience. I'm not the problem. You know, this person or this situation is the problem. But that takes a long time to get there. And especially for people who have been in situations where the, um, they have been a victim in a relationship, and the person blames them, right? Like, if you did what I told you to do, I wouldn't hit you or I wouldn't scream at you or I wouldn't shove you. Right. And so there's this sense of, well, it must be me. Um, a couple of times ago that we, um, chatted on your, um, podcast, we talked about the ACEs study. Oh yes. Yes. Lots of information about the ACEs study. So I think people can go back and listen to that, but just the more um, trauma or adverse childhood experiences that a person has, the more health problems that they're going to have, irregardless of the things, the um, health choices that they make in their life. So there's just higher rates of heart disease, kidney disease, lung disease, blah, blah, blah. But in addition to that, people who have trauma often engage in high-risk behaviors that lead to health problems and interpersonal problems, such as substance misuse. So people who use, misuse um, alcohol, drugs, you know, or anything of that nature that impacts health, those high-risk behaviors result in health problems problems, but high risk behaviors can also result in interpersonal problems. So for example, um, a person may get into a car and they have someone with them and they're driving very fast and very reckless, right? And it's terrifying to the person who's sitting in the seat next to them and can cause difficulties there. Um, Another piece of how we see childhood trauma showing up in adult functioning is mental health disorders, anxiety, (laughs) depression, um, you know, all of the things that come with having turmoil related to trauma. So people who have childhood trauma have higher levels of mental health disorders Another piece that is problematic is many people have holes in their memories in their childhood, right? So you have, you, let's say you have three kids in a family and one kid will say, you remember when we went on that vacation and we were here and this thing happened? A person who's experienced trauma may not remember having gone on that vacation at all right yeah. or may not have may not remember that event and uh, and if we go back to this idea of it's hard to take in new information mm-hmm. when you've had trauma when you're a little person or a young adult and your brain is focused on survival that's what it's paying attention to it's not paying attention to other things so when um, when I'm working with an adult who's experienced trauma and it's not integrated, often I hear um, stories that are very discombobulating, right? Like it's really hard to know like how old were you and what happened and you know, the series of events aren't strung together in a way that makes sense. So just the whole ability to have a cohesive narrative about childhood experiences don't exist. <laughs> and then the last thing that I think is, um, shows up a lot in adults who've had trauma is dissociation. And dissociation is really when I think about when your mind takes a break from your body, right? <laughs> Where there's just, Like, I can't stay here. And so the person just is no longer connected and they can't stay grounded in their life or in their body. And sometimes those moments of dissociation happen relatively quickly, like it may be a minute or two. But on the more severe end, when you have somebody who has a significant dissociative disorder, they might lose days at a time where they're just so disconnected from their bodies and their brains that they're just not even present in their life. And, you know, when you have the extreme end of dissociative identity disorder, people will say, oh my goodness, I can't believe that last weekend when we were la la, la we did this. And, and they're like, they have no memory of doing the activity or no memory of what that experience was for them. But that level of dissociation is um, pretty uncommon and but it is for the person who experiences a dissociative identity disorder or severe dissociation. It's quite troubling because the narrative of their life doesn't make sense, right? Like. They can't string their childhood together. They can't string their adulthood together, and it's confusing and upsetting. Yeah. Okay. So that's what that piece of it. What questions might you have or thoughts? I actually have a couple. Um,
0: I can link, like the study, for the Aces stuff mm-hmm. in, the, in the notes for the this show. But one of the areas that you know that I'm pretty passionate about is the nervous system and mm-hmm. everything that you've talked about is a dysregulated nervous system yeah, yeah. And, and and when you think about like the whole like the like the, like the spectrum and there's like the ladder and you've got ventral on top and then you've got sympathetic or parasympathetic in the middle and then you've got the shutdown or dorsal on the bottom. so that the people that are living in what I'm going to call high, anxiety or high you know they're constantly living up high and, they're, mm-hmm. and their anxiety and their nervous system is always running in high gear so there's cortisol going and there's 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 a lot of different things you talked about um the dissociated but that also can be disconnected from their body in another mm-hmm. in another word yeah so mm-hmm. when they're disconnected from their body and they are Wow. Just okay. even like other things that, like I think about when somebody feels disconnected is lack of boundaries. Yeah, that's a really nice one. Yeah, <laughs> people pleasing. They yep. want people to continue. I mean, these are just a couple that are seem to be that seem to show up more so than others. And mm-hmm. you know from our past mm-hmm. conversations. That I'm not one to, quote unquote, sugarcoat that kind of stuff. Because I feel like in our, like, for the benefit of talking about this, whether you're a fitness professional, or you are a fitness enthusiast, if you are running in high gear all the time, and you're running in circles, and you're people pleasing, and you have lack of boundaries, it's not healthy for <laughs> our, our bodies. And no. I think that the other piece that I just want to make a, a comment about is so many individuals who, and there's been correlations and studies that have been done on this is the association with trauma and, um, autoimmune disorders
1: mm, for sure.
0: And I think it's just, I think it's really important to just say that, um, more, more and more people are being diagnosed with autoimmune disorders. And Mm -hmm. when you start really what I'm going to just say, and it's not my job as a trauma informed movement educator to ask about their traumas, but when they come to you and there's usually, I always see there's usually more than one when they start talking about their, um, like if they, if they talk about their autoimmune disorders or they're talking about how they, anyways, there's usually more than one. Mm -hmm. Um, as they go along but again I'm just going to say it's your turn it's your job to do the talk therapy it's my job to help with the releasing the traumas in their body or having an understanding or having them have an understanding of where the trauma has impacted their body yeah so so. okay (laughs) I just wanted to be very clear about that Mm -hmm. Um, so um, you talked about in our conversations before we came on the air of how it shows up. Like you talked about movement. And I think that in Pilates specifically, or even in yoga, you know, oftentimes people will be m- maybe coming in and they might be really, they could do be one of two ways. They can be come in and have a hard time focusing. Mm-hmm. Um, whether again, I just want to make sure that I'm because it's the idea is to get people to move and whether it's yoga, Pilates, personal training. And I think it's concentration of body aware, full body, like a body awareness. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to say that, um, I have chosen to use external cues Mm -hmm. with people Like find a spot on the wall, like let your focus or, or having them externally cue, like, you know, like roll up and look towards your knees or look towards your feet. And, and a lot of times to begin to get people to like have a focus and it's not about, and it's, and it's just, it's the way that I cue now. Um, not all the time, the longer I work with people, because most people that I work with I work more one-on-one with them. Mm -hmm. Um, That doesn't mean that I still don't do small groups, but I think that the focus and the attention and the awareness begins to reconnect people
1: back to their bodies. Agreed. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) And I think sometimes when Pilates teachers cue, they do internal cues they use the internal cues that happen in their bodies, right? So like, oh, you're gonna feel this in your hip flexor or ooh, you know, your obliques are gonna be, you know, whatever, whatever. But every body has its strengths and its weaknesses. And a person who has a lot of strength in one area may not necessarily feel it there. They may feel like, oh, you know, okay, my obliques are really strong, but maybe I feel it in my neck because I'm having to, you know, keep my head in a particular spot. So when we cue, only use internal cues, um, we don't really allow students to feel in their body where they actually feel it in their body, right? But if we use language like, oh, some people may feel it here, And some people may feel it in a different place or when you use external cues, like, you know, imagine pressing the back of your t-shirt into the mat. you know, imagine pushing your toes towards the ceiling, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and, and that gives them a place to focus, as you said, until there's more refinement in their internal experience and can really feel it in a, um, in a way that they could articulate to themselves. Well, and I think
0: too, it's also, it's validating to them because if they, if you're teaching and sometimes people don't want to admit that they can't feel it where they are. And that's why if you, if you're, if you're cueing with external cues, eventually I get to like internal or or different things, like into like internal cues. But I don't. I really try hard to find things that they're going to connect with um, in regards to their own experiences, and that's where I think it's so important to allow for people to have awareness. But there also has to be the trust. And choice and their voice. Because yep. so oftentimes when people have gone through trauma, and I know you talked about, but
1: communication is stifled in so many ways. Yep. Yep. So and, and it goes back to you had mentioned that sometimes people are become people pleasers, right? And so when we think about trauma and trauma response, we have the fight, flight, freeze, fawn. And so fawning is really about people pleasing. And so if you have a, a student and you're saying, oh, it should feel like this, or you should do this, they may agree to do a movement they're they're uncomfortable with because they don't want to disappoint their teacher. They don't want their teacher to be mad and they may not ever come back because they don't feel empowered to say I can't or I don't or I won't.
0: And that is so important. And I am gonna say that I empower Mm -hmm. my students because if something doesn't feel right, you have the permission to A, not do it or B, maybe you're Mm -hmm. gonna do it a little bit differently. And so I know that I'm probably speaking a language for, especially with Pilates teachers, that, that are not going to necessarily like what I have to say, but I think it's really important because so many times we don't give, I mean, I'm going to say in general, it's important to be able to allow a little bit of autonomy in people's mm-hmm. bodies um, because you don't know where they're coming from. And mm-hmm. I think that, when, and I mean, even in yoga, you know, like if if you're doing, if you're standing in, I don't know, let's just say, warrior two and you need to put your back knee down because the whole room has got their knee up just saying something as subtle as go ahead and put your knee down if it doesn't you know your back knee down (laughs) I mean it's it's giving people permission because so oftentimes especially for people who have been in relationship where there's been emotional abuse um And they don't, maybe they've had people tell them what to do Mm -hmm. with their bodies. And so by allowing them to have that little extra voice, because we don't know when people walk through our doors, Mm -hmm. whether you are doing a group class, whether it be yoga or Pilates or even privates. And I think it's just, it's conversations that we need to have. That's why we're having this conversation right now, because trauma impacts all of us, but to varying degrees.
1: Yes. And I think um, the autonomy piece and also offering the option of using as many props as needed. Oh, yes. Yes. And (laughs) so I've been in yoga classes where the teacher has said, like the studio does not have props at all. And the teacher has said, just do whatever your body can do. And, you know, as you do this, then you'll get stronger. And so, yeah, triangle pose, you you know, you will get stronger over time, but man alive, when when you have a brick to put your hand on, you're just going to feel much more competent and more successful in that triangle pose yes.
0: than you are
1: like hanging there and trying to keep your body up and keep, you know, your um, pose the way you'd prefer it. So I think it's also saying it's okay if your body doesn't do this exact thing. We have a way to help you be successful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, and
0: those are things that, like, I even have a yoga bolster in my Pilates studio mm-hmm. that I use people. Because you never know. Um, and again, it's it's just there's an, um, Ivy Baron has a she has a lot like she's got a news feed or a feed on Instagram,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: she talks about using like props. Like she went and she found something at the dollar store, and it was this great big piece of like it looked like bread. And uh, like having things available because you don't understand, I mean, and they don't have to be expensive things, Uh, A yoga bolster, it doesn't have to be a yoga bolster. It might be a cushion off of a sofa. If you're doing something, I'm just using that as an example of people are doing yoga um, like online or Pilates online and people, you know, same thing with, you know, like cans of vegetables or fruit as opposed to hand weights. Yep. So using things that are accessible, because my my ultimate hope is that we can have people moving, whether they can afford Pilates
1: or not. Yeah, 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 so, I I think, so one of the pops and layers that I learned for my own personal Pilates practice um, with my um, instructor a few weeks ago, was um, with stomach massage. And stomach massage is, from my perspective, the least pleasant Pilates exercise there is. And so um, my instructor had me put a wedge behind my back to keep a nice C-curve. And then we put, or I put a um, TheraBand across my um, foot bar. I put my feet on and then I held my TheraBand and it helped me stay in that position without having to grip the bottom of my carriage. And I felt so amazingly successful with a yeah. little wedge and a TheraBand. And I'm like, okay, maybe I don't have to hate stomach massage. Maybe I can, you know, be successful and feel good about this one.
0: But see to me. I bet you didn't, I I, I bet your face and your neck were relaxed Mm -hmm. in what you were doing. And so you weren't clenching at the thought of doing stomach massage. And that's the ultimate goal is we want to get people, and it doesn't matter, our our shape, our size, our age, our gender, I mean, is to be successful
1: in whatever the movement is. Yeah, because we want people to move because- As people move and are more grounded in their body, it provides powerful healing for negative experiences, not just trauma, but like all the hard things in life. And so it, it keeps, as bodies move, there's healing in that, that settles and allows for the brain to have space to do what it needs to do.
0: Mm-hmm. And I also think
1: that it's it builds
0: confidence, mm-hmm. it builds resilience within your within bodies. Yeah. It, yeah. It, 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 it creates a new kind of autonomy and empowerment within each person. I mean, and I I feel like I am as an instructor, when I work with clients, if I can have them be successful in their private sessions with me, mm-hmm. then I know that I've done I've helped them. It's not about me, but it's about them walking out of the studio feeling successful and mm-hmm. wanting to say,
1: I I can go home and I can try this at home. Yeah. And you know that is what we want for our clients. And also when we support clients and feeling successful, guess what happens? they come back, right? So it's good for business to be attuned to people and where they're struggling and support them, because they're gonna leave feeling like, oof, you know, I don't hate stomach massage, I just needed it adjusted. (laughs) Guess what I'm doing? I'm coming back. And because that teacher has taught me how to be successful. And so it's, I mean, it's good for the people that we're working with, but it's also good for your bottom line. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's just so
0: important. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and 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 to me, ultimately, what we're talking about is self care. And when you, a lot of times, people who have gone through life, life's mm-hmm. ups and downs. Yep, we know that self-care sometimes gets put on the back burner because they're too busy taking care of everybody else. And I'm just going to use, let's just say the word mom. Yep. And they're too busy taking care of everybody else except themselves. And we have to, and as an instructor, it's so important for us to replenish ourselves first to give back later, but to Mm -hmm. be aware of our clients that are coming to us. Mm -hmm.
1: Absolutely.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, um, do you have, a, I think we've connected to um, Pilates. Do you have any, I, I, I'm just asking, do you have any other comments that you wanna make, June?
1: I think so. I, I think just remembering that as teachers, our um, goal is to, teach new skills and empower people at the same time which sometimes can be um a balance when you have if you're teaching a group class like how do you empower everyone and and yet it's important for people to feel like they're in charge of their bodies because often people who have been traumatized they are traumatized because They were not able to be in charge of their body, that somebody else made a decision for them. And so coming in and feeling like they can say, "Mm, you know, I know you're moving on to this, but I'm going to just do this gentle movement for a moment and then I'll catch back up with you without having a teacher say, no, that's not what we're doing right now. You know, you need to be doing this. Like to just recognize that people know their bodies and they have enough capacity to make decisions for themselves, and that, as they do and they develop more skills, they'll be able to um, engage at an increasingly more competent level
0: and i and I think that's really so critical. Mhm.
1: Whatever your whatever your
0: modality is that you're teaching, yeah, is allowing people to have those choices. Yeah,
1: so, yeah.
0: But yeah. So June, thank you so much for your expertise and your time today. I look forward to um, having you on again as usual. <laughs> you always offer so many um, what I'm going to call like wisdoms of nuggets of things that we can apply in so many different arenas. So thank you again for joining me today. So um, stay on for just a second when I shut off the record, please. Sure, sure. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. It's my lifelong mission to educate and bring awareness to the fitness industry around trauma informed movement. If you have any questions or subject that you would like to hear addressed, reach out to me at my website at www.studiotpilates.com. Hit that subscribe button. So the next time we release our latest episode, you're going to be notified. You can also reach out to me on Facebook at Tammy Leischer. On Instagram, you can also reach out to me at Tammy Leischer, but also Studio T Pilates MI. Thank you for listening to today's episode. And we'll talk to you next time.